0: Hey guys, welcome to Books in the City. We're really excited because, again, we're bringing you a really, really fun author interview with Elizabeth Thomas, the author of Catherine House.
1: Yeah, she goes by Lizzie as well, which is just fun.
0: Yeah, she was so much fun
1: she's really smart and easy to talk to and a big reader
0: yeah she was really great and you guys are gonna love her and you're gonna have so much fun listening to the conversation um but first just a little rundown about the book she's gonna tell you about it in her own words and a reminder that I did uh discuss this book on an episode a while back so we'll make sure to link that episode in the show notes so that if you want to hear that talk as well um but Catherine House it's like this kind of spooky sci-fi um, novel about this like culty college and how would you describe it, Emily?
1: Yeah, it is like dark ab- academia. We all of us agree that this book is best enjoyed on a perfect fall day with like a cup of apple cider and you're like thinking about college and going to like a imperfect castle which is something that she described uh catherine house the school as and it was just like so enjoyable to read this i just had like a vivid hallucination the whole time and then it was like you're kind of like in this lush setting but then some things happen and it's like college so there's college drama and it was just like she said she wrote it incorporating everything she loves to read in a book and I was like, dude, same. I feel like I read everything that I love to read in a book in your book.
0: Yeah, it was it it's a great book. Um Elizabeth's a really fun person, as we said about a million times already. Um she is a graduate of Yale and she works at MoMA, which is really cool. And Catherine House is her first novel, and she does give us a little tiny teaser about what she is currently working on, and Emily and I are geeking out. We're so excited to read it. So yeah, enjoy this conversation with Elizabeth Thomas. This is going to be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your
1: new favorite book. <laughs> oh, I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome to Books <laughs> in the City. Pod.
0: <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Becky. I'm
1: Emily. And I'm Elizabeth Thomas.
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And here for you is Where are you quarantining?
2: Oh, I was. <laughs> what are you saying? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I am quarantining beautiful transition i am quarantining in brooklyn new york which is where i live and where i grew up and probably where i will be for the rest of my life because i love it hey what part of brooklyn i'm in prospect leffert's gardens um on the right side of the park i guess east i think you're libby's neighbor our other
0: libby is one of our co-hosts really sure you are definitely right there
2: yeah oh I love that oh my god that's amazing uh, it's a wonderful neighborhood amazing food amazing it's right by the park so it's wonderful um yeah I adore it uh, yeah, it's, she's it's, a big runner she like goes in the park all the time oh I did that for like a couple of weeks and then I was like this is for suckers <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, I think
0: feel. that was I think that was everyone's quarantine like the yeah, getting oh, got to be active. Let me run, and then it's like,
2: nah. Exactly, like absolutely not. So yeah, I was one of those. So maybe, maybe I saw her trotting around, but then I was like, oh, oh man, this isn't <laughs> that, this isn't that much fun. <laughs> Yay! So we're really
1: excited to talk about Catherine House because both Becky and I really loved it, and we thought yeah. it was funny because Becky has a fine arts degree, and I'm a scientist in the book has, like, aspects of both things. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so we thought we'd start out by um, asking you to give our listeners kind of a little elevator pitch on what Catherine House is about.
2: Sure, so it's about a young woman who goes to this, cult like, college in rural Pennsylvania, and she finds that uh, there may be some dark secrets lurking beneath the the school's promise of prestige. Uh, so it's got kind of. I like to think that when I was writing it, I was like, I want to put in everything I love about a book. Like I wanted to make it kind of gothic, because kind of like haunted halls, a little bit of romance, a little bit, and then yeah, a little a little sci fi element without giving too much away. But yeah, there's a little a little magic in there. So, going off of
0: what we were talking about earlier, how I have a fine arts degree. Um, mm-hmm. I also know you work at MoMA, is that correct? That is correct. So one of the things I loved about Catherine House is the way art was infused into the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so what inspired you to get into writing and how did your how does your work at the museum kind of help inform your writing?
2: So I, I always knew I wanted to be a novelist. That is definitely my first love growing up. I was just, I I feel really blessed actually that just I, I have never in my life wavered on what I wanted to do with my life. I just always knew I wanted to be a novelist. Um, but then the other, the question was what I want to do <laughs> for money. <laughs> um, because it was very practical. And so looking back, this is like, this is such weird logic, but I was like, Oh, I'll get an art history degree. Cause that'll be a great way to make money. It's like <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what, I'm, I'm not sure, quite sure what the logic was there, but it did work out. Um, so uh yeah so i have always seen kind of art history as my more practical day job which is absurd but i i i love it so i would say the the, the relationship th- between the two of those is that writing and books are kind of like my true love and uh art history is kind of my my academic love my professional love if that makes sense um it's something that i feel almost like i i need more history and more uh I need other people to help me understand it a lot of the time with art, with art history and art. Um, so that's why I ended up studying it in college and why I ended up going into museum work, which I love because, you know, so much, you know, the point of a museum is to help people understand art and help people appreciate art and understand the historical context. And I think that work is so wonderful.
1: Yeah, I I really like the way you described that as like, your academic love and then your like passionate love Mm -hmm. um but i was curious because you you have some kind of like specific art history periods mentioned in the book and i was wondering if you had Mm -hmm. a favorite a favorite art history
2: period oh man well i ended up studying i ended up focusing um in avant-garde movements of the early 20th century this sounds not that it sounds all like in the weeds but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically modern contemporary art because i, th- I find it so hard I-, I knew it would be hard to really focus on very historical art history because you know then it becomes a real exercise of learning um of, of really learning history you know like learning about what life was like back in historical times um and I kind of wanted to, you, you know, I don't have to take much of a mental leap to understand what life was like back in, let's say the sixties, you know, so it's, I find it easier to kind of study the art of then. That. Um, so that's how I ended up studying modern history. And then I also just love, there's something that's so, um, that was so dreaming of, a, it's so many of those art movements at the beginning of the 20th century, it's like they were trying to think of new ways of interacting with the world. They were so utopian. They were so like, let's completely change the way we relate to objects and the way objects relate to people. And um, it, it's, just, it's just really wild thinking. And so I, I wanted to put a lot of that in Catherine House. And I, I, I hope some of it came through. I think it did, for sure. Yay.
1: I like the way that you just talked about that because sometimes I feel like I approach art and I don't know like how to go about it. Um. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if, you know, as someone who's like not super aware or like not, I don't always look at, at art. I was wondering if you have some advice for someone who is going to a museum and they want to be able to appreciate kind of like the collection there better.
2: Mm-hmm. I would say, first of all, that I I think that a lot of people enter a museum and they Automatically almost feel a little defensive. They feel like they kind of have to love everything in the museum Which I think that people who actually work at museums don't really have that feeling and they forget that other people come into the museum that way But I think people who work in the arts are really used to the idea that you're gonna go into a museum and you're gonna see some gallery and be like Oh, man, I really don't like these, you know (laughs) And then like you're gonna I think that um people who curate and who design the exhibitions are more used to the idea more comfortable with the idea of like you know this one this this one isn't doing much for me but like this artwork i really love and i'm not sure why but let me learn more about it or something and kind of um learning about your own tastes um i think that a lot of people go to a museum and they kind of automatically feel like this museum is telling me that all of these are masterworks and i have to take their opinion on that and it on a, kind of automatically puts people's hackles up um so i think that's kind of um a mental leap uh, that it, it would help people to get over to have them think you know once you go to the museum just kind of think just relax a little and just if if you hate something there that's fine and then if you love something and you're not sure why you love it that's fine too and just kind of just have a good day
1: i feel like you unlocked something for me there <laughs> i love that
0: oh good <laughs> So, so those of you listening who are like, oh, but I thought we were talking about this book. Th- <laughs> this actually makes a lot of sense for the character Inez in the book. She kind of has sort of like that kind of experience with certain pieces of art in the book. So look forward to that if you haven't read the book yet. Mm-hmm. Um, So one thing I wanted to ask, the theme of the book is kind of being like trapped in Catherine House in a sense. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a theme, but like Absolutely. a theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh it's pretty prominent and it resonates really well during this time of COVID and quarantine. Um, yeah, so that was if-
2: unintentional. I was not, I was, <laughs> I was nobody could have predicted it. I was not hoping that this book would be hitting this hard at this time,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
2: but uh, yeah, I'm sorry, so, <laughs> No, it's okay.
0: Um, so what has been the positive and negative aspects of publishing during a, a pandemic? And publishing a book that kind of does hit home in a yes, sense.
2: Yes, I would say the negative aspects are, you know, I had dreamed like, oh man, I was gonna throw a huge party on release date. I like every oh. time, or I mean, I I had not like gone to the stage of like actually planning it, but it was kind of a running joke with my friends that every time you know I was doing another draft, it's like, oh man, and I gotta start working on the playlist for this party because it is going to be wild. I am going. I'm going to invite all everyone all my enemies all my teachers (laughs) everyone it's gonna be great um and so that i that will still happen it's just postponed i'm sure um i will i will dance to celebrate this book at some point um but it has been postponed so i I want to see the playlist yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, and there were stages to the party. I was like, okay, we'll start with, with dinner. So everyone has, you know, food lining their stomachs and then there'll be a dance element and then we'll do karaoke. It was like, it was, it was going to be everything. I um, love
1: it. It yeah. sounds like my kind of party.
2: Yeah. So I would say the sad thing is just, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, I've, I've always dreamed of being a writer. So having this huge thing in my life happen and not being able to like, really go out and celebrate it's it's almost even more like because I will celebrate at some point it's just almost more surreal it's kind of like you know I imagine how people would feel if they eloped or something where it's kind of like you know this was a big life change but I just woke up in my bed like it's just it's it's just kind of a little bizarre Um, uh, but I would say the plus side is that so many events, uh, were moved online and that I've been able to connect with people that I, I, don't, I think that by the time my book came out, it came out in May, uh, the, sadly the pandemic had, we were a few weeks in. So, um, people were more used to Zoom. People were used to the idea of like, oh, there's going to be a Zoom reading and a Zoom conversation with these various authors and things like that. So I think that there were things that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Cause you know, I have a day job. I wouldn't have been able to, uh, let's say, go to Chicago on a whim or something like that. Um, But I was able to do a conversation with someone in Chicago on a whim. (laughs) So um, I think that, you know, in this time, we've all had to be a little more flexible and learn new ways to connect with people. And it's, I mean, it hasn't all been a blast. It's been a, it's obviously been a really scary time, especially being here in New York. Uh, It's been, you know, just the pure uh, stress and you just were worrying every single moment of the day but um but on but on the whole it's you know it was different but but a a good experience
1: cool so speaking of your lovely book um i got some serious like heather's breakfast club (laughs) like saint elmo's fire kind of vibes i know that it's Mm. set in like 96 but i don't know that's just what i took from it so i was wondering if any of things like that inspired
2: it or or something else specifically oh i always oh anything about um which is funny because like they're older than teenagers but yeah i've always loved kind of like books or movies about kind of cultish groups of friends yes, um same or things like or even this like i i mean i'm not ashamed to say i loved i loved like gossip girl i loved like um popular which was this show oh my god it was so good it was like one of ryan murphy's first shows it was just Mm -hmm. things that kind of have that like hint of cheesiness or larger than a hint of cheesiness Mm -hmm. um but just over the top um social plays with social hierarchy and things like that Mm -hmm. i love that i love that stuff um and just in general i love writing about friendship because my friends are so important to me and i i think that it's just such a mine of uh a really interesting relations so yeah I think that I'm always going to write about friendships and yeah Heathers and things like that oh those they, they they're always so much fun to watch yes
1: speaking of kind of friendships I think what you do really well in the book is kind of capture this special dynamic that you have in college where you're like starting to become an adult and you make these like really intense friendships with the people who are also becoming adults around you and I mm-hmm. was wondering if like you feel like this idea about wanting to be kind of forever young and embedded in this young friendship, did that inspire any of the sci-fi aspects behind your
2: book? Absolutely. Because I think that I started writing this book a few years after I graduated, actually, not not right after. Um, And I think it was a time when a lot of my friends were going through some kind of mid-20s growing pains and it's like we kept calling each other on the phone to be like I just want to go back why? Uh, touched my heart. <laughs> yeah it was like where are you why aren't we on the couch in the common room eating cheese fries and talking about our feelings you know it's like this feeling of like why can't we go back to that place and it's such a it's it's not it's not a healthy emotion I think it's a very normal emotion but it's it's not healthy to think like I want to go back to that place and so I think this book was kind of a way for me to explore that feeling that so many of my friends were dealing with at that time because in college I mean it did feel somewhat idyllic but it wasn't a perfect time but then in our mid-20s you know all of a sudden you you have to feed yourself (laughs) you have to pay rent you have to I mean and you were paying for college but like it kind of like didn't feel like you were in the same way yeah, it's like monopoly and, money.
0: <laughs> you you're not making those active monthly rent exactly payments. it just yes.
2: it feels different and then um you're and of course, just the fact that um with the way it is in the states anyway, like going from all your friends being basically on the same hall or within walking distance to even if they're in the same city, you know you have to travel to see them and I think it really is a huge difference, and I think it's hard um and uh. I wanted to talk about that and I want I wanted to kind of capture the feeling of there being a community. And then also, even though you don't see uh, Inez's life before or after Catherine House, I wanted to kind of have this feeling almost that she's kind of already anticipated that there's going to be this huge loss in that it's it's going to be gone like you that that community, it, it never quite comes back. And it is really sad. I think that's I think that's a huge loss.
0: Definitely. Um, So was there a specific place that you had in mind for when you described Catherine House? Um, We did see on your Instagram that you were watching the Colin Firth (laughs) version of Pride and Prejudice. Is Netherfield Park maybe (laughs) something
2: that went into it? I put together oh I I wish I had the list but um, I was thinking of I put together a few different historical houses. One is Oh, what's the name of it it's like this huge famous mansion in Miami and that one so I kind of cobbled it together you know there are the different halls in Catherine House so each hall is kind of a different historical house so this the one in Miami I think is Molina the one that Inez is in mm-hmm. and then like Lindhurst this the what is it the Vanderbilt mansion or something is kind of a um, I don't know, Harrington or something. Uh, I I had kind of a scheme, but of course, and then at a certain point, you're kind of like, yeah, and I'm also just kind of like, then you blur everything together. Um, So I was kind of uh, hodgepodging these various real places together, but I wanted it to ultimately not feel, I wanted it to feel surreal in the end. I didn't want it to feel like this place could ultimately, like it had a real architecture. I wanted it to almost feel like, she's always describing like going, down one stairs and then up another and then turning one corner and then turning another. I wanted to have this feeling of like, does this house go on forever? Like it doesn't, Mm. it doesn't seem to actually have quite a a full logic to it. Um, So that was, I certainly wanted to feel surreal. And then in terms of the geography, yeah, I chose Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a place, one of my best friends in the world growing up lived in Pennsylvania and I visited it a lot. So um, I was like, let me, I could put a college here. Yeah.
0: Totally. And I do think you successfully gave Catherine House that surreal vibe. So yeah. Sure. Um, I have another question kind of about the house. Um, how did you go about balancing the house as a setting, but it also kind of had this effect of being a character as well. So how did you kind of balance those two things?
2: Oh, I love that. Um, I definitely wanted it to feel like a character. And I think I just always had that in the back of my mind that Um, when I first started set out to write this story I one of the main ideas I had in my head was this I wanted this to be a kind of love story about this young woman who falls in love with this house and the house is kind of this period in her life because like as we were talking about um, that desire to go back to college it's not even so much to like oh i want to take classes again or oh necessarily i want to be with this specific person again it's kind of just that whole being young and it's like like life feeling kind of spontaneous and taken care of and just it's like a whole a whole environment really um I, i wanted to create that that environment as the thing that she was falling in love with as opposed to A particular person or um, anything more specific than that. And so I decided to kind of wrap that whole idea up in the house. The house is the architecture. And so I always kept that in the back of my mind. And uh, in terms of the the design of the house, then I thought that something that would be really important was that it shouldn't be too perfect. I wanted it to have a certain amount of character and a certain amount of both a feeling of that it's surreal you know like that that I said that it's you know she's kind of constantly getting lost in it and constantly learning more about it and also that there's a sense that it's kind of dilapidated and it's kind Mm -hmm. of falling apart Mm -hmm. and it's not um it's not you know a perfect castle because I think that much like when you're falling in love with a person like that wouldn't have been very interesting
1: (laughs) yeah I like that a lot uh speaking of kind of like the life at Catherine House. I because I'm just like a hungry foodie picked up a lot on <laughs> the drink cart and like the food they ate. I noticed they snacked on fruit a lot, which was mm. not my experience when I went to college.
2: No, no, it's um, not, is it? <laughs> so I was wondering if
1: that was intentional. And I saw I they had all these luscious meals, and I saw you went to Yale, and I was like, is that what they're doing at Yale? Because I ate like cornflakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It is not. Well, so the, 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 there are certain things that I look back. I think that. So many colleges, as a side note, I like one of the things that I, I had a good time in college. I had a great time in college, as I'm describing, but I think that part of it is that they, so many of them are kind of trying to outcompete each other with so many of these kind of lifestyle things. So, yeah, Yale did have like really good food, but like normal good food, like not like a you know poached like nishi she swallowed it it was like yeah. uh, you know but they would just be like what you like grass fed burger day you know like <laughs> okay. that type of thing so um but it's just kind of ridiculous cuz you you know it, it's it's like this is your all your money is going towards this like it's just yeah. it, it's um it's because they, you know, they want to stay in the brochure when kids are deciding between Yale and Princeton, like, and we serve grass-fed burgers on Thursdays, (laughs) you know, it's it's a competitive uh, thing, but anyway, so, but but with the food, I think, I I loved writing all the food, and it's funny, um, I think the food is also one of those things that makes the environment feel surreal, like, they do not eat the way kids do in several ways. Like, first of all, I, I mean, obviously the menus that um, Catherine House, presumably the house is designing the menus and they kind of have this um, really over the top. I, I got a lot of the menus from um, looking at the menus of like cruise ships from like the 40s and uh, oh, that's 50s so and things. <laughs> so So it's like just these over the top, like super weird menus. It's like menus from like the Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth and stuff like that. Um, oh. So those, I, 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 I love this stuff. Those menus, by the way, if you go to the New York Public Library's website, they have an archive of their menus. It's so much fun to look at. It's, I highly recommend. Um, so yeah, and right after this call, feel free to uh, yeah go to, I think it's called What's on the Menu, and it's just this, their entire collection of menus from like the 1890s or something has been digitized. Um,
0: I love it. The historian yeah. is really yeah. coming out right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: I love that. But it's also kind of funny because it's like they also drink a lot of wine, but they don't drink a lot of other liquor, presumably because they're in this house. But and they also don't. They also tend to drink tea, but not really coffee. And they yeah. drink, but they don't really do any drugs. And it's like all these various things that um, I don't really think are realistic, but. it's it's a surreal environment you know so they're just drinking a lot of wine and eating a lot of like figs, and and that's what's going on at Catherine House yeah that
0: that but like mix it with all the chanting and it's the weirdest place like yeah (laughs)
1: yeah it feels like added to the cult like yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um so your main character Inez describes herself as somebody who doesn't like who feels empty or like full kind of Mm -hmm. or doesn't feel full Mm -hmm. in her life so without spoilers Mm -hmm. do you think that she got her resolution
2: no (laughs) (laughs) I knew Um, it oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) I got to
1: the end and I was like come
2: on oh 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 oh. oh, Oh. well I think I think that um I think there are times over the course of the book where she feels full, like, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, she's like, oh, that she feels, she's so disconnected from the world. She is so, um, she, she's dead inside, basically. She, she's just, she's really feeling very little and not, um, she, she's just kind of like, as she says she's like, I'm a ghost walking through this world, you know? And I think that over the course of the story, she kind of learns to engage and she learns to um, uh, connect to her environment. But I, don't, I think that in my mind, well, without giving spoilers, I can say that when I first wrote the manuscript, there was a preface that uh, was a kind of a flash forward 10 years. Um, and so I, I still kind of think of it that way. And in my mind, um, you can almost feel towards the end that she's almost disconnecting again. Um, whether, but I think in her mind, it's kind of, I think I, I think there's kind of a perversion in that she is con- she has connected her engagement with the world with this place where mm-hmm. you know in theory the the healthy thing would be like you can engage with the world outside of Catherine House wouldn't that be nice mm-hmm. you know that would be right. like the healthy well adjusted thing to do but I think that um, whether or not wh- and without getting to spoilers but without whether or not is happening literally in in terms of her relationship to the place. Mm-hmm. I think that in her mind her happiness is now so connected to this place mm-hmm. that it's I, I don't know if they'll uh, uh no no matter what literally happens I don't know if those two things would ever get disconnected in her mind.
0: Mm-hmm. And and that kind of plays into what you were saying earlier about that feeling of wanting to go back to college.
2: Exactly. It's like even like no matter like it it's like she's uh it's like the person who um uh had one amazing boyfriend. Would well, you know? Yeah, it says kind of like falling in love, and then it's like they just kind of got into their head that they'll never love like this guy again. And you're like, he wasn't even that good to you, <laughs> you know. But it's kind of like whether or not they break up with him or not, it almost doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, but it like because in their head, it's like it's the what's in your head, what the narrative that you made about this person. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, I like the way you talk about that about how it's kind of like almost unhealthy to form this attachment because this kind of bubble that they live in this really privileged elitist bubble is mm-hmm. something suffocating but also comforting so I was wondering like do you think they'd ever really want to leave that or do you think they ever all these characters could ever leave this sphere of privilege behind or even want to
2: mm-hmm. um I think they um are going to like I mean in theory all the ones all the ones uh you know they're going to graduate and I I think that, um, I think for a lot of people, that's a rude awakening. That was something in terms of like my actual life, you know, uh, yeah. So I went to Yale and I've thought a lot about um, privilege and what that experience was like for me. And so I I went to Yale and my dad went to Yale and my grandfather went to Yale. And so so it's like, it's something that's like just loomed in my family. Um, But my dad and my grandfather both hated it. They really didn't want me to go. Oh Um, Wow so that was like my rebellion to to go and I've just growing up I have thought a lot about institutions and privilege and uh the effect they can have over people's lives and then I went there and I thought about it even more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh yeah I think that I, I think that a lot of the a lot of the way colleges work in the states I think is they really want to coddle you because I mean who does who does want to be coddled that sounds like it. <laughs> uh, I mean I and mean, they do also want to be very intellectually rigorous but I think that I mean the whole dorm system it's fabulous like the food the um sports you're with all your friends it's a blast mm-hmm. um yeah who who wouldn't want that but I think that it's I think it can be Morally and literally, fiscally expensive.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I have a
1: follow-up to that. Do you think if you were given the chance to attend Catherine House, would you go?
2: Yeah, and that's bad. That's not the right answer. <laughs> that's for me too. I finished the book. I
1: I finished the book, and I was like, I think I want to go here, even though you have enough information to know that you probably shouldn't. But I was yeah, like, honestly, like,
2: honestly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to eat some figs. (laughs) There were so many figs.
1: I was like, I don't eat enough figs in my life.
2: Yeah. I want (laughs) to hang out and just like hang out with my friends, have some parties. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I I know that's the wrong answer, but, uh. But that's so yeah. impressive that you
1: <laughs> you got people to want to go somewhere where they know it's not good for them. That's like yeah. quite the big yeah. writing. <laughs> oh,
0: well, I, I want to go and see, see it physically because mm-hmm. this whole time while we're talking, I'm envisioning like you wrote so um, visually oh, that I'm you. like seeing Catherine House in my head and... I just imagine like a perfect fall day. Like I really yes, wish I read would this in be fall. fall. Like that me would too. be perfect. It, you
2: know, it's funny. I was just thinking, I was like, I, it, it feels like a fall book to me. It does. Yes.
0: Now, so. We're going to have to do a reread for the fall <laughs> um, with some hot apple cider. Yes. Mm, nice. Or figs. <laughs> um, so I have a question. If you could cast anyone to play the characters, who would you choose? Have you thought about it?
2: I thought about it a little. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm too old to know the answer to this. Like I don't, I I don't know any young actors, and then I was like, I can follow, I I know youths, I can figure out you well, and then I was like, this is exactly what an adult who's trying to figure out youth culture would do. I watched Euphoria, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like the, Emmy nominated, yeah, Emmy yes. nominated, good good for them. I thought it was a blast, um, but uh, yeah, I, I I it's none of um. No one necessarily in particular from that show, but I feel like someone who could have been cast in Mm. in that show, you know, someone, because obviously it would have to be someone, I I would want them to actually look young. I wouldn't want them to be one of those times when they have like, you know, a 40 year old playing like a 20 year old. I would, I would want them to look, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, scrawny and freshly hatched, you know, how teenagers (laughs) actually look, you know, it's not, not so much like, not, not very sexy, just kind of, precious. (laughs) precious. <laughs> so I think that, uh, I'm getting older now and like, for these people, it's like so maternally, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, uh, yeah, kind of th- that kind of feeling someone, someone who feels, um, young and vibrant and I, I can't think of a particular name, but some, someone new and exciting.
0: I like the way you kind of think about that. I personally, when I read books, I don't I don't cast anyone in my head. But I know a lot of people who do read and mm-hmm. put an actor to it. Emily, yeah. did you have someone in mind?
1: I thought about um, the girl who plays Veronica on the CW, sh- like Riverdale for Inez. I don't know what that is. Oh, um, but I, I also had a a very vivid picture of uh, the character. Uh, it's Yaya, I think. Um, mm-hmm. so I pictured her as—I don't know if you watch Pose on Netflix, but there's like—I've seen an episode. Okay, it's there's, good. A, there's a character <laughs> called Candy, watching. and I pictured her as Candy. She's probably not like young enough, but I was—I just was like, this is Candy on on
2: in a book. <laughs> I I love that. I feel like there's so much about Yaya that's just like, I wanted—I wanted her to just feel like you know those people who just have an innate glamour. Yeah. Who you're just like oh exactly
1: that's probably why my mind like leaped to pose because she was very yeah it's
2: exactly that type of thing into
1: decor and jewels and stuff exactly I love that
0: so I have the big question oh (laughs) can you tell us what is plasm tell
2: us no I can't (laughs) (laughs) um uh no I can't I think that it, you know, it's, it was funny writing it, because I think it's, for me, it's almost like a running joke, that it's like, it, it's, um, so much of the story revolves around this thing, which, I mean, also in the book, like, so much of, in the, in the mythology of the book, so much of life revolves around this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and yet, like, it can't be fully described, which also to, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One is because, you know, speculative fiction, I feel like, um... It's almost like a trope of, of uh, sci-fi to have, like, you know, this mysterious substance that's just, like, mm-hmm. element X, you know? Yeah,
0: totally.
2: <laughs> like, um, but then also, I just, I thought, it, I think it's fun because um, in, in real life, I think, that it's like, if you said, like, Lizzie, could you describe microwave? I would be like no <laughs> <laughs> That's true That's
1: not, I you was know? telling Becky I was like could you describe Gravity like the force of gravity Outside of like an equation it's kind of hard To write
2: yeah I couldn't like, do
1: An equation either what yeah
2: is see, see, And it's like or it's like I know gra- With microwaves it's like okay I I'm, I know With microwaves it's like I think that it's like the waves see, And then as soon as you're like Oh no but you know it's like the You know the atoms it they Vibrate and <laughs> that okay that sounds right you know yeah yeah. (laughs) you know all of a sudden you just kind of start or god forbid if you're like describe like black matter actually wait no i think i got that one that's like matter that we don't know what it is but we see the effect of it i don't know but you see it all starts getting very sketchy very quickly um so i've always just kind of loved that about there's so many substances and things that we're kind of comfortable with saying but if someone really presses to describe them, you wouldn't really quite know what to say. Um, and I know and just, that, just, that just tickles me. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I thought it would be fun. I, I love in general writing stories that are almost kind of told kind of sideways. And so I, I, from the very beginning, um, I, I knew that that the story would have this this speculative fiction element of it. And I always knew from the beginning that the main character would not be the one studying it. Cause I just think it's so much more, I think it's a lot funnier. And a lot um, more true to life that there is, uh, that it's told, that is trying, it's someone who's studying art history is trying to understand it, you know? And it's like almost like the same thing now. Like if someone said, like, um, you know, describe to me a coronavirus, like, germ, I'd be like, I, I, I can't, I can tell you what I'm doing to prevent getting them. <laughs> but like,
0: (laughs) but you know, we're
2: all just like, we're all like heavily skimming these articles and trying to get by. But you know, if you're not an actual scientist, you kind of butt up against a certain level of understanding. Um, So I just kind of almost wanted to represent that feeling of trying to understand something that you actually don't fully get and you want to, and you're interested, but you're just not going to really.
1: (laughs) Speaking as a scientist, I do think you totally captured something there about like that's kind of like the point of the science is you're trying to like describe this thing that no one really understands so yeah. i was totally on board with it i was like i i see what you're doing here plasm you know like i don't yeah. totally get it <laughs> but i want to and i can see why people are putting their time into it but also as a scientist i have to say there were some there were some dicey ethical things involving non consenting oh yeah
2: humans, maybe. oh well I mean well that's why I no mean, spoilers guys no, no spoilers, spoilers but I mean all I'm saying is we're not supposed to want to go to Catherine that was that is the correct so that is the correct choice um but, I still do. but yeah but it is I think it's really fun to almost to try and write something as something complicated being described to someone who doesn't who is not going to fully get it. And also because it's like, they don't, she doesn't need to fully get what it is. You know what I mean? It's not like it's an actual substance that you have to explain to a reader, you know? So it's kind of just, um, that we know of that we know of. Um, but yeah, when I was uh, researching it, I mean, whatever you can say for research, I, I was like, looking. there's, there's been, there's a long history of humans kind of looking for this elixir of life, substance of life. Um, you know that that thing whatever we want to call it, it is like you know alchemists are looking for it uh, but when we people were searching when they were like searching for radiation and stuff they were looking for it so I think there's a long history of people looking for something that may not exist or well stay tuned I guess but yeah. <laughs> stay tuned it <laughs> was fun
1: um okay so We've kind of touched on the idea that the book kind of ends on a cliffhanger, and we want to know what happens next. Slash, will there be a sequel? Because I would definitely read it.
2: <laughs> um, I'm glad you would read it, but uh, no, there's definitely not going to be a sequel. Better I think it's, it's it's yeah, I think it's better that way. I I always wanted to have a kind of ambiguous ending because I think that's part of the point of it. You know, is that she, it's it's almost like it's mimicking the the story you know it's like it, it, the book is about this one period in this woman's life and that's just kind of really stuck with her and um yeah I, I don't know man you can't go back you can't I, I, I can't go back there I can't I can't go back to the the mental space I was in when I was writing that book um and you know, like like I said that I was writing this when I was in my mid twenties and was like feeling extremely nostalgic about college more even than I was right when I graduated. It was just this feeling of, oh God, life is the pits right now, I need to go back there um and happily, you know uh I, a few years later, I would say, you know, life is a little better, so um I think that uh once you start engaging with with your new world uh you can kind of kind of move past whatever place you were kind of stuck at. Um so, <laughs> <home>. <laughs> so I would say like I I cannot I I would be I would I should I should for my mental health not go back to writing a sequel to, to Captain House. So I encourage anyone to dream about what may happen next. But I'm gonna Ooh, fanfics guys. Say. Yeah, write some fanfics, absolutely.
1: Uh so we were <laughs> curious if you have another project coming up that you're working on instead of you know the sequel
2: i am i am working on a next project it is extremely weird um to love it
1: yeah (laughs) we both like yes yeah
2: (laughs) it's like um yeah and it's weird in different ways than catherine house it's less um like i'd say it's less claustrophobic it takes place um more in the actual world less cloistered in one school it's Mm -hmm. not does not take place in a school um but uh it still has it certainly still has a heavy dose of speculative elements and um as a certain sense i would say it's about uh, uh when i when my friends asked what's about i'm like it's about wellness wellness and and beauty and all those people who do like like it was like i, I got in you know into those you fall into those loops where you're watching someone do like a 20 step skincare what? thing on youtube or something like that and i'm like this is perverse i'm like and everyone's doing it when did everyone start using 20 steps of yes. skincare um so yeah it's kind of uh, i think it's I'm, I'm gonna explore that we'll see how it goes I'm drafting now oh i'm intrigued yeah.
0: so our podcast is we we drink a lot um so <laughs> it's not it's not like true. become part of our podcast <laughs> um so my question quarantine is, I- <laughs> My question is, what is your favorite reading drink and what is your favorite writing drink? And of course, it does not have to be alcoholic.
2: Okay. Um, for both, I would say tea. I, and I'm very particular. I like PG Tips tea, which is this classic English tea with a splash of half and half and like a heaping teaspoon of sugar. It's sweet and it's milky and it's delicious. Yum. So I I usually write when I wake up in the morning. So it's it's sadly not alcoholic. <laughs> um, Probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say I usually read at that time too. And actually, yeah, I can't, when I, when I drink alcohol, I tend to like really want to like talk to people and dance and it's, it's, it's it's not a, yeah, (laughs) it's not a conducive, uh, uh, personality for actually getting any work done. So, um, yeah, for in terms of a a cocktail, I love a a Manhattan. I would say that's my drink of choice, but, um, uh, or martini or, know. or a margarita i mean whatever. whatever but uh but yeah no that's more towards the end of the day when i'm gonna go have a have a chat with my friends after hopefully i've, I've gotten some work done but you win some you lose some these days you know?
0: <laughs> so at the end of um our episodes we always go around and say what's next on our list to read so is there anything you're currently reading or that you have up next that you can share with us
2: Yeah, well wait, where did it go? I just oh I just finished like an hour ago finished this book Sphinx by Mm -hmm. Anna Gareta or Gareta, which is French. Um it was spectacular. I loved this book. Um she's it was the first novel um published by a woman in this uh French genre called ULIPO, which is like the funniest and most fun thing ever. Um, So if you're interested in ULIPO, O-U-L-I-P-O, look it up on Wikipedia. It's like just a total blast of a genre. It's like these French people writing with constraints and it's uh, delightful. And this novel, which is kind of about gender and um, love and DJing, it was just, I I, I loved it. So I just finished that and I I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm in, I'm feeling oh this, this right here is my to be read pile so mm-hmm. um for for those of you
0: listening she's pointing to this beautiful oh, yeah. bookshelf she has behind her
2: yeah. <laughs> and i'm pointing to a very tall pile of books so we'll we'll see what comes next
0: i love it so where can our listeners find you online if you want them to find you <laughs> uh
2: yeah they can um at lizzie thomas and lizzie is spelled with s's um i don't know why. Well, because Elizabeth's called an S, but it's pronounced like C, so I don't know the logic there. But anyway, uh, at Lizzie Thomas on Twitter, L-I-S-S-I-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. And then on Instagram at Tizzy Lamas, <laughs> which is oh my God. At, <laughs> um, at T-I-S-S-I-E-L-H-O-M-A-S.
0: We will make sure we put that in the show notes so that you guys don't have to sit there and
2: like,
1: (laughs) and I saw your Instagram is sporting a really flattering profile picture and a beautiful face mask. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. When I was supposed to be doing some writing, I was like, you know what, instead let me, let me Photoshop a face mask onto my profile picture, Uh (laughs) you know, got to stay current, got to stay current. So that was some time well spent, you know, public health, got to make people know. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really, really great.
2: Thank you. Yes, it's been a blast. Enjoy your TBR. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.